the biggest stories from the pages of the London Free Press and LFPress.com. This is the London Free Press Podcast with your host, Rachel Gilbert. Welcome to the London Free Press Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Gilbert. A former lawyer is one of two people charged in a massive luxury home drug lab bust by London police in a scene that can only look like it came from Breaking Bad. So today I'm talking with London Free Press crime reporter Dale Carruthers about this wild story that has a lot of twists and turns and what we've learned about the lawyer and his alleged partner in crime since the drug bust on April 4th. Hi, Dale. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me on today, Rachel. Of course. Yeah. So let's kind of start from the top. Let's start with how police found this cannabis. It was a cannabis extraction lab that they found in a luxury home is a two million dollar home on Commissioner's Road. How did police even find this thing? So it all started with um, an April 4th uh, disturbance call to this home at 467 Commissioner's Road East. So police were called to the home for a report disturbance. And when they went there, um, they noticed uh, materials that they thought could be used for a, a drug lab, essentially. So they arrested two people. One was later released unconditionally, and the other man was charged. Um, we now know his name is Donovan Went, charged with multiple offenses, including forcible confinement, firearms offenses, assault, assault with a weapon. Um, and then police launched this investigation into a... Um, suspected drug lab, and they called in the OPP's clandestine laboratory investigation unit and some other partners, the fire department, and they said they uncovered a large and complex cannabis extraction lab. So essentially, that is a lab where the operators are using a solvent like butane or propane to process dried cannabis to extract uh, the THC into what's called shatter. Um, cannabis oils, it's used for vaporizers, edibles, that type of thing. Okay. What was the initial disturbance call? Do we know much about that? Um, and, and was Went arrested on that initially? Yeah, he, okay. that's what he was arrested on. So it was a call okay. for disturbance. That's really all right. to it. And they would have done their investigation. And they said it was a weapon and drug investigation that he was arrested on. I see. Um, okay, so I, I was going to ask, what is a cannabis extraction lab? But you've kind of you've you've explained that. What did police actually seize from the home? What did they find there? Because there was a, a lot in there. They seized over eight million dollars worth of drugs. The bulk of it was um, what you call uh, big liters of cannabis oil. So that would be like okay. uh, pure THC um, that was processed. Um, they also seized MDMA, magic mushrooms, a bunch of other different cannabis products, dry cannabis as well, uh, two loaded weapons, two loaded guns, a handgun and a rifle. And they seized uh, $500,000 worth of laboratory set. Um, at that point, they charged, went with additional cannabis-related offenses, and they issued an arrest warrant for a second man, Leche Ferhi. Um, for the same charges related to cannabis uh, for the purpose of trafficking and altering cannabis. And he turned himself in um, hours after police uh, announced they had an arrest warrant for him. Okay, we're going to we're going to talk more about him specifically for sure. Um, I just want to know a little bit more about cannabis extraction labs. Are they very lucrative, uh, even though like on the black market, even though now cannabis is legal, you can get a lot of that stuff legally. Why would, I mean, this must be a very lucrative business then. 
Yeah, these extraction labs are essentially exploiting um, a hole in the legal market. Um, they're producing things like edibles and vaporizers in this cannabis extract because the legal market, these products are available, but they're significantly more expensive and they have restrictions on their potencies. For example, if you were to go buy an edible at um, one of the dozens of cannabis retail stores here in London, the most, uh, the highest content of THC they can have is 10 milligrams in an entire package. Whereas if you go to the black market, you get a 200 milligram gummy, right? Wow. And at a significantly less uh, cost too. So sure. people often go to the black market for products like edibles, for vaporizers and for concentrates. And so those edibles, vapors and concentrates are supplied by uh, black market growers. Like that's what this canvas extraction lab would be supplying. They're supplying the black market. They're not mm -hmm. sending it to these uh, legal retail stores because they're not an approved grower. They're not licensed by Health Canada. Right. Um, so the amount of money involved in these is very high. Like the police said, when they valued the drug seized at over $8 million, that's street level pricing. So, right. So there was $8 million that could have been made from this product. So a lot of money, it's really lucrative. Um, we've seen cannabis extraction labs in London before. We usually find out about them after they explode. That's mm. usually how they're discovered because they're using solvents like butane um, and propane uh, to make their products and uh, they're often operated by people who aren't trained well and right. explosions are all too common with these extraction labs. This is the largest scale one um, that we've had in London. And the strange thing is that it was operating out of this um, large and expensive home. The home sold for a little over $2 million. Two years ago, it was on a 1.2 acre property, had a massive garage, had a shed. Um, it's like 4,000 square feet of living space in it. Wow. So it's really an unusual location for a, a drug lab to be located. That's for sure. A luxury area for sure. If you've driven along Commissioner's Road in that area, you know. What were the neighbors saying? Who, who owned the house? And did the neighbors know anything about them? The neighbors were never clear on who owned the house. That was one thing they told me. Um, the home was bought by an Ontario numbered company that was registered in Toronto. So there is, it's not like an individual bought the house. Mm. Um, neighbors said uh, a man who moved in there introduced himself as a lawyer, um, but they didn't know his name. Other neighbors said they weren't sure who lived there. Multiple people could be seen coming and going, um, younger people often. Um, there, some neighbors believed that they were breeding dogs on the property. There was constant mm. dogs barking. Uh, people spotted lots of dogs. That I saw multiple dog houses on uh, in two different side yards there. And mm. uh, the city says they had been called there for noise complaints three times in the past couple of years for animal and human noise complaints. And um, uh, city ultimately seized a number of dogs from the property after the home was raided by police. So there's definitely mm -hmm. some animal behavior going on there as well. So neighbors didn't know what was happening there, but after the bust, they looked back in hindsight and things kind of added up. The, sure. They said the policeman called there before. Just it was strange behavior. Not what you'd expect on this stretch of Commissioner's Road, which is on the outskirts of Old South. And these are old stately homes um, on large parcels of land, uh, some of them over one acre like this. Mm -hmm. So it's not where you'd expect this kind of activity to be found, that's for sure. Yeah. 
So we, we don't know who owned it, but we we do know from from the arrest records that who was living there at the time. Is that right? Correct. And these, these were the people who were arrested. Yes. Both Donovan went and Fletcher Fair. He um, lived at the home, according to their um, court documents. Their home address was listed as 467 Commissioners Road East. Um, whether or not they lived there and slept every day, that's unclear. But mm. that was their legal address. Right. And so it was Ferry that is is a lawyer and he was actually licensed to practice law both in Canada and the U.S. And initially, and, and you mentioned this in your story, uh, the two were linked because Ferry was hired as Wentz lawyer for another previous offense. Is that right? Yes, that is correct. Um, it was when had been charged with uh, cocaine possession for the purpose of trafficking in 2021 and in the court documents, there was a document that showed he retained Valeche uh, Ferhi to represent him, and he ended up getting an 18-month conditional sentence, which included house arrest and probation. He avoided jail in that case. Um, and so that's how we first connected the two men, and then the, their charge uh, charges connected them because they lived at the same home, according to the court record. So there's two connections there. Um, lawyer client and roommates apparently yeah and now they're both charged in this in this drug lab possession um mm -hmm. is ferry or fair he is still licensed to practice law here um right now his uh, license has been suspended here in ontario for administrative reasons according to the regulatory body we don't really know any other details about that and in 2013 it was suspended in california and remains inactive um for failing to pay uh, fees to the regulator. So he's not licensed to practice law at this point right now. Mm. And he's also listed as the director for uh, the Canadian Cannabis Retailers Union. Is that right? Yes. Um, he's listed as the director for the Canadian Cannabis Retailers Union. And um, the and organization is that, for, essentially... is that for the legal, like those are for the legal pot shops? Yeah, it was created to unionize uh, staffers at these legal uh, canvas retail stores. That was its initial goal, though it seemed to shift its focus to educating and training these canvas retail workers. And it, I don't know that whether it exists or not, say it's unclear. Um, and he was listed as a director. Um, but the, that, the, the union put out press releases with a different man listed as a director. I gave him a call. He hung up on me, didn't really want to talk. Mm. Um, and documents identified a address in North London as the as Ferry's home home office address um, and I went there over the weekend and it was in a residential neighborhood neighbors said they'd seen him um, he moved in there about two years ago it was a rental home in a new subdivision but he hadn't been seen in several months again neighbors there said there were issues people coming and going from the home other suspicious behavior vicious dogs again one neighbor says one of the dogs attacked a child in the neighborhood. Another neighbor said they wanted to move out of the neighborhood because of Ferry in his presence. Wow. Um, so they were pretty surprised to hear about the allegations against him. But again, they said something was always off about the house he lived in. Right. Seems he keeps to himself with neighbors. He doesn't let a lot of people in on, on his comings and goings. That was the case with both properties from uh, what I understand based on the interviews I did with neighbors. Right. Um, 
so I just wanted to 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 say also because just talking about the lab ex, uh, and what was seized and the and the cleanup, the cleanup took days and days and and they had a lot lots of different um, organizations in to help with that, right? Yeah, it was a it was a massive effort. Um, it took oh, police were on the scene for over a week. At the peak, there was over twenty five different uh, vehicles from various emergency responders on the scene. Um, police also used contractors from an environmental services company mm -hmm. they were in hazmat suits bagging up what appeared to be laboratory equipment beakers flasks giant vats um, I watched them bag up evidence in the driveway dozens of these uh, what appeared to be laboratory equipment pieces and they're organizing them in the driveway and I've never seen contractors involved in a drug investigation like that so that just kind of shows the scale and size of it right right I don't know the reason why they would use contractors but uh, my assumption would be because it's taking so much work and so many man hours. Sure. Um, so, yeah, they're there for over a week. They have cleared the scene now. Um, I drove by and saw two women uh, loading up uh, two vehicles with just household items one day. And I went and tried to talk to them. They didn't want to speak. Um, so police have clearly released the scene now. Okay. You mentioned that, that we typically don't hear about these extraction labs until they explode. You know, yeah. they're, they're pretty well hidden. This one is the largest you mentioned that that we've ever had. Did yeah. police indicate at all, like, what would have happened if this had exploded? Would neighbors have been affected by that? Yeah, well, after the lab was discovered, police said there was no immediate risk uh, to public safety. So they clearly concluded that there was no risk of any sort of explosion or okay. fumes or anything like that. Um, that may indicate that it was uh, professionally run. It was um, not like this a haphazard lab. Um, I'm not sure exactly, but they never they knew what they were doing. But that, that's what it sounds like to me. And the neighbors I spoke with, no one smelled cannabis or chemicals or anything like that, um, which was kind of unique too. Hmm. Um, so this type of property, like it had the space. If it had the space and the privacy that would make it ideal for um, an operation like police alleged they found there. Yeah. So where where are things now with um, the two men arrested and, and where do things stand with them? So Donovan went, he faces significantly more charges. Um, he faces the cannabis uh, charges that fair he faces. And then he also has 10 weapons charges for the guns that were seized. And he has all these unrelated charges uh, from the domestic call. And these all involve the same female complaint, assault, assault the weapon, forcible confinement. So well over two dozen charges. He is being held right now. He's still in custody. Um, eventually he will have a bail hearing and we'll see where that goes. But uh, Leche Fair, he has been released on bail. He was released on bail two days after he turned himself into police. His release conditions order him to live in Toronto with his surety. He's on house arrest essentially. Can only leave for medical emergencies. He can't contact his co-accused, and there's a bunch of other um, stringent conditions on his bail. He was required to put fifteen thousand dollars down, as was his surety. Um, if he breaks his bail, he'd have to forfeit that amount. Sure. Um, he wasn't uh, available for comment. I I called him, emailed him, didn't hear anything back. Um, so we will follow his case through the courts. The case has been adjourned for a couple of weeks, and then it'll slowly make its way through the court system. Yeah, I don't think this is the last we'll hear of it. Of course, we're going to follow you and your your court reporting of the situation and and anything else that comes up on lfpress.com. Thank, Thank you so, you so much, much, Dale. 
I appreciate Rachel. 